My dad, uh, his name was Randy Carl Short, and he died on December 19th, 2020. That was 295 days ago. That means for 295 days, I have been thinking about my dad a lot. As I've been remembering him, mourning him, celebrating him, I have been getting to know God better as a father. I recognize all of us have very different experiences with dads. And if you have a poor one, I am deeply sorry. My dad was wonderful. He was a dream kind of dad. And I've noticed over these in the past 295 days that we need a good dad. Everybody needs a good dad. So as I've had this huge, gaping, horrible hole in my life where my dad used to be, God has been introducing himself to me in new ways as Father God. And so my prayer is, all of us, no matter what our dad experiences are represented here, that this morning we could all just get to know God a little bit better as a good dad. The picture prior, I'll just tell you about it. Um, it's Jesus describing Father God to us in what's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's Luke 15, verse 20, and it's coming from the story of the prodigal son, which is a story of a son who makes lots of bad decisions, disrespects his dad, runs away from home, spends his inheritance on wild living, and then gets desperate. He was feeding pigs, he was hungry, and he said, you know what, I'm just going to go back and beg my dad to let me be a servant because I'm desperate. So that gets us to verse 20. And so, again, this is Jesus, God's son, telling us this is what your father in heaven is like. So in verse 20, Jesus says, But while he, the rebellious son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Jesus said, that is what your father in heaven is like. There was no pointing fingers. There was no accusation. There was no, hey, wash the hog smell off before I hug you. He was waiting for his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. Richard Rohr is um, a Catholic theologian, and he says this, your image of God creates you. This is why it is important that we see God as loving and benevolent, and why good, why good theology still matters. One mistaken image of God that keeps us from receiving grace is the idea that God is a cruel tyrant. People who have been raised in an atmosphere of threats, of punishment, and promise of reward are programmed to operate with this cheap image of a punitive God. It usually becomes their entire view of the universe. I am fully convinced that God is way, way kinder than any of us have any idea. Imago Dei is um, the Latin term for created in the image of God. We read in Genesis 1.27 that God created human beings in his image. Sometimes hard to believe, but actually every single human being we come in contact with was created in the image of the likeness of God. They've got God's handprints on them. And so from that, I think we can look at any single person's life. 
Again, some we have to look harder than others, but we can look at them and say, God, how can this person teach me about you? What part of your image is this person bearing that can help me to understand you better? And my dad just did a really good job of that for me and for my family of showing us um, the image of God. Um, this guy was a German um, theologian that lived in the 1200s, and he wrote, a person who knew nothing but creatures would never need to attend to any sermons, for every creature is full of God and is a book. And I believe that's just a healthy way to look at our relationships with people, is to say, God, this person is carrying your image in some way. Show me. Show me how. All right. So I have just kind of came up with a few things, and I have eight um, different attributes, different ways that God is that I feel like my dad did an awesome job teaching me about. And so here they are. Number one, God loves talking with us. My dad um, had three daughters, me and my two sisters, and he would call all of us um, every, every, every single day, and often multiple times a day. Like, he would just call the call, not because he needed anything, not because he wanted anything. All he wanted was just to hear our voice and to chat with us. And the few times um, that I was able to squeeze in a phone call to him when he wasn't calling me, when we would get off the phone, he would always say, thanks for calling. Surely, that's the way God is. That whenever we turn our attention to God, it doesn't have to be fancy doesn't need to be, God wasn't calling because he wanted us to impress him with how good we are and what an impressive day we were living. He just wanted to chat. And I think the, the more we can see prayer like that, like a really good dad that just wants a conversation, the, the, better, the better the prayer gets. And that God appreciates our attention turned to him in prayer. Number two, God just wants to be with us. There was nothing my dad loved in the world more than being with all of his family. All the grandkids, all the kids, everybody together was his favorite thing. And again, we didn't need to be doing anything impressive. We didn't need to be performing for him. He just wanted our company. And God is similar in that way, that all God wants is our company. There were a few years when I lived overseas, and I would come back to visit for a few weeks at a time. And... During those home visits, dad would often say things like, you know, you can just stay here. And I'd say, well, dad, what am I going to do? And he'd say, you could just be my little girl. And there honestly, there wouldn't have been anything I could have done that would have delighted him more if I would have just became a stay-at-home daughter. He, he would have been thrilled. And if we could see God that way, like, I don't, you know, God's not encouraging laziness but really, like, what God wants is us for, to be his kid. And I, and I just think that there's a lot of pressure that we can put on ourselves from God's expectation of us, that God's just wanting to lift off, and God's like, hey, just, just be mine. Just be my child. Um, the last day of 2018, I got to hang out with my dad in a nearby town, and we just didn't do anything. We drank some coffee, went to an antique store. And my dad had this kind of whimsical way of communicating. And I would often, when he was talking, just pull my phone down and write down what he was saying because it was interesting. 
And he said this, Abby and I went to an antique store on the last day of the year together. Isn't that astounding and amazing? And if we, I just feel like if, that what God wants for us to experience as his kids is the joy it brings him to have our company. That God wants to know us as that kind of dad that's delighted when we get to spend time with him. And the, the kind of company that, that God wants isn't like the, you stay across the room because I'm kind of disappointed with the way you're turning out, but we can kind of be in the same vicinity at least. That, that's not the kind of company that God wants. As Jesus taught us in that verse, Luke 15, 20, God hugs us and embraces us. This photo was taken on my wedding day, which was a year ago today. Today's my one-year anniversary Still married, still <laughs> doing well. <laughs> I've got a really nice husband. That's why I'm still married. Um, and so on our wedding day, um, my dad surprised my groom. And as, as my dad was giving me away to my husband, dad threw his arms around him and, and, and gave him a hug. He enveloped him in an embrace. And that's what God's like. We can expect God to maybe want to shake our hand, maybe want to pat us on the back, but what God wants to do is to bear hug us. All right. Number three. God wants us to be happy. He leads us into good places because our joy is important to the Lord. He took my nephew, Siler, on a cruise, him and my, him and my mom, um, just him. Just took him on a cruise to take him. My dad took me up to a vac- on a vacation in Mexico. He took me scuba diving in the Philippines. Oftentimes throughout my 20s, I would reach these what seemed like huge life decisions, like, do I move here? Do I fly to this land? And so I would ask my dad for advice, and his advice was always really the same. And it was, well, if that'd make you happy, I think you should do whatever makes you happy. And yeah, we've we got to be careful. If murdering people is what makes you happy, then God is not saying <laughs> do what makes you happy. Like, there's, you know, some boundaries. But really, God, again, it's, it's kind of like I'm, I've been experiencing this past year as, God, as I'm learning to know God better as a dad, that it's like there's a lot of pressure he wants off. And it's, it's not like he's a control freak that's, you know, wanting me to meet this one really high standard that he has of my life, and if I miss it, he's mad. I just think a lot of times what God's advice to me is, hey, let's just do it together, and I want you to be happy. And my dad showed me that. Number four is that God isn't boring. I don't know how long, or if you're, if you're walking with God, if you've just started, uh, maybe you're just kind of interested, or maybe you've been... Um, getting to know Jesus for 50 years. I don't know where you're at in that. But I know for me, it can, it can, seem, it can seem boring. It can seem like, well, you know, I'm going to seek God and find him and be bored and then go throughout my day or, or whatever our thoughts can be about what it looks like to walk with God, to seek him and to find him. But my dad did, again, a great job of showing me that there's nothing boring about God as father. Um, my, I mentioned earlier that my dad had this kind of whimsical way of communicating, and he would often like write me and my sisters these quirky poems 
he would send us pictures throughout the day of like his toy farm animals lined up on the kitchen table. He would set off fireworks in the backyard, on our, in the front yard on a regular basis. Like he was just entertaining. Like I really would look forward to what he was gonna say next. And so if we can look at God, like that's, I mean, God, God is eternal, right? He's, there's no end to him. And we read um, in Revelation chapter four, John got a little glimpse of what was happening in heaven, and he described it like this. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. It's a lot of eyes. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. So what I'm thinking about whenever I read that is that these angels, I don't think God's forcing them to stay. I think that they have always been looking at God, that they're looking at him right now, and that they'll always be looking at God because that's what they want to do. They want to look at him. And I don't imagine that they've ever been bored, these angels. As they look at God, they're seeing endless peace, endless unconditional love, endless perfect fatherhood. And the sight that they're seeing is thrilling. And this is the God that all of us are invited to fellowship with all day long, every day, if we choose to. Number five, God sacrifices deeply to be with his broken kids. This is a snapshot of the gospel in my personal life that I got to experience. Probably the, the clearest demonstration of the gospel I've ever got to live out in my own personal life. I um, had a motorbike wreck in Thailand. I came close to dying. My brain was swollen and bleeding. I was in the hospital for several weeks and for several days I didn't wake up. They didn't know if I was going to wake up. And so the day that I had my wreck, um, my dad and my mom booked flights to Thailand. My dad had never crossed the ocean. He had no intention to cross the ocean. He was a farmer and a homebody, but he just wanted to be with his broken daughter. So he sacrificed his time, his money, his comfort, his energy, and he flew to Thailand so that he could sit with me in the ICU in Bangkok as I lay bloody and unconscious and near death. And that is the gospel. That is the way God is. God will do anything to sit with us, not because we're strong and together and impressive, but when we're weak and have absolutely nothing to offer, what God wants is to sit with us, to be with his broken kids. Number six, God is welcoming. I brought people from many different walks of life from many different places in the world to my dad's back door over the years. And he never once turned one of them away. His reaction to every single person I brought to his home was he opened the door and he said, come in. I brought Republicans and Democrats. I brought gay people and heterosexual people. 
I brought black people and white people and Latino people and Asian people and sober people and not sober people. And God welcomed all, my dad welcomed all of them into his home. And I, I just feel like that is such a beautiful illustration of what Father God is like and that God is saying to all of us, he's saying to humanity, hey, there's freedom, there's hope, there's family, there's food on the table. I have room at my table for you, is what Father God is proclaiming to all of us. Unconditional love is what God has. Number seven, I don't even know what grandkid that is. My sister has a lot of kids. I think that's the youngest, Riggs. Um, My dad was very, very proud of his daughters, of his grandkids, and he told me many times over my life, Abby, I'm proud of you. And it wasn't because I didn't have a lot of room for improvement. It wasn't because all my relationships were perfect, because I was you know, just doing a wonderful, successful job at life. He, was, he really was proud of me, though, and it was just because I was his kid that he felt proud of me. He uh, would leave us notes like this. It says, Abby, you are a great daughter. I love you so much. Dad, I don't know if you have ever had the sense that God is proud of you, that God is saying, hey, you're a good son, you're a good daughter. But I believe if all of us could just get a hold of that every day, that we have a father in heaven who's proud of us, it just, it would change. It would change things for us, I think. It would change the way we see ourselves. It would change the way we see our lives. And I believe that that's the message that God wants to communicate to us, is that he's a proud dad. I used to spend time um, with people downtown in Louisville who were living on the street, and um, oftentimes there were um, some addictions that they were needing to overcome. And my dad would go with me downtown sometimes and take everybody to McDonald's or go buy everybody Taco Bell, and he would just spend time building friendships with my friends down there. And there was one particular friend I had that I spent a lot of time with. He was a man from several states away that ended up in Louisville. He was in his 50s. And my dad became quite close to him, really liked him a lot. And I would hear my dad tell him. He would call him by name and say, I'm proud of you. And he wasn't saying that because he was, my friend wasn't still you know, dabbling in drugs a little. He was, dad wasn't proud of him because he wasn't on the street anymore. But he was proud of him because my friend kept putting one foot in front of the other, and he was trying. He was trying to do better. He was trying to get off the street, and my dad saw that, and he really was proud of him. And if we could just know God like that, that I I, I don't know how you feel about yourself. Maybe you are just booming with confidence, and I hope you are. Um, And I think all of us surely at times, can deal with some insecurity and some uh, kind of a disappointment. And I I have those feelings and thoughts and have had a lot over my life of just like, I'm just kind of a bummer. My life isn't as great as it needs to be. I'm not doing X, Y, Z enough or, or whatever the thoughts are. And that, but God's reaction to that, I think God wants to interrupt those kind of thoughts. I'm, I'm sure he does. And that he wants to say, hey, You're putting one foot in front of the other. You're trying, and I'm proud of you. And so, yeah, God, let us all hear that you're proud of us. 
Number eight is God shares himself with us. I, my dad sent us selfies. We have like a family text thread, and he would send selfies regularly. Just, you know, him working, him moving a lawnmower, him on a tractor, him by something he thought was cool that he found when he was at work. Lots and lots of selfies. And he never tried to withhold himself from us. He was, he was, his heart was open to his family. And that is the way God in heaven is. That God isn't trying to withhold himself from us. I'm like, well, I've got all this love, but I just want to give you a dab. Or I have all these beautiful attributes, but I'm only going to show you one of them. Like, I just think God is, his heart is open. He's available to us as a father. Right now, wherever we're at, that we have this amazing, un, literally unbelievable kind of father in heaven who's sharing his heart with us. And it's up to us if, if, if we want that. Um, my dad gave his whole life to his family. He, he did hard manual labor from the time he was a teenager up until his passing. And all of his work, all of his, really, his existence was about his family. He did it all, not for himself, but for us, representing our Father in heaven, that that's the way God is too. And my dad um, was, was quite sick when he passed away. He died of COVID, and it, um, it took his lungs. His lungs could not recover from the virus. And his last, um, his last days on the earth, his last moments before um, he lost consciousness, he would spend, he could barely talk, he could barely breathe, but he would spend those moments calling us. And he literally gave his last breath, his last breaths to his family, to being a dad. And that's the way, <laughs> that's the way God is. That he, he really does love each and every one of us unconditionally. And he's giving everything he has to be a dad to us. Maya Angelou said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. The way I felt around my dad was seen, loved, I felt confident around him, I felt beautiful around him, and I would encourage you to think about, if you can think about, just kind of imagine sitting in the, in the room with Father God, and then think about what kind of feelings do you feel, and if you feel like ashamed or disappointed in the way you are, you feel small, I would encourage you to have some honest conversations with God about that. Because I believe God wants to clear that up. And God, the way God wants you to feel around him is seen and loved and important and valuable. I would also encourage you to, to give some thought to how do people feel around you. Maybe they feel judged or small or not important. And just, just think, how, how do people feel around me? And then have some more honest conversation with God. 
and just ask him, God, help me to help people feel important. Help me to help people feel loved. How we make people feel is really important. And then, you know, so we're all given this great honor and responsibility of demonstrating to everyone in our lives of what God's like. And so, I, yeah, I, I, that's, that's my encouragement is to say, God, would you help all of us to love well and to do a really good job bearing your image and showing people that you're kind and that you're good and that you're welcoming and that God can help us to know him as that and then to be that to other people.